Well, hi, and thank you to Sue for leading our worship this morning and to Araga for doing the reading for us. As we dive into God's word this morning, let's have a time of stillness, prepare our hearts. Holy Spirit, you invite us to meet with you and you speak through your word to us. May we hear, may we listen. In Jesus' name, Amen. During the week on the church WhatsApp group, Someone sent out a picture with this message. Beautiful picture of an eagle protecting her young. Turn it around to see who is protecting us in every way. And when you turn it around, this is what you get. I was extremely grateful for this, not least because... When I got it, I was struggling for a way into this morning's sermon. Uh, Palm Sunday is one of those days that comes around every year and it can be hard not to just repeat yourself. But we have been following this theme of worship in the wilderness and today we come to the end of that. We enter Holy Week. We prepare to reflect on the central week of the gospel stories, building up to the betrayal of Jesus, the desertion by his disciples, Jesus' arrest and trial, Peter's denial through to the crucifixion and death of Jesus. And of course, we get to read these accounts with the benefit of hindsight. We know that the agony, the horror, the sorrow of Good Friday and the numbness of the Saturday will be blown apart on Sunday with the discovery of the empty tomb and the words, he is not here, he is risen. And it's true that Jesus had tried to warn his disciples what lay ahead. Several times we read of Jesus telling them with increasing detail that he would be arrested and killed, but he'd rise again. But I'm not sure anything could have really prepared them for the events of that week. A crucified Messiah was not on their radar. And as for resurrection, well, they might not have had the scientific knowledge we possess in the 21st century. But they were advanced to know that dead people stayed, stayed dead. For those walking that road with Jesus at the start of that Holy Week, they were setting out on a surprising journey. And it was a story which does include an, e an eagle. And the turning around and a surprising revelation of who the man with the crown of thorns truly was. On a Sunday afternoon at the start of Passover week, a procession entered Jerusalem from the west side of the city. They had come from Caesarea Maritima, Caesarea on the sea. It's a pleasant new city built largely to house Roman governors of the province of Judea and Samaria. 
Jerusalem was an inland, quite poorly connected, often hostile location. Even wealthy Jews tried to avoid living there if they could. And Roman governors certainly weren't fond of the place. A city on the coast was far more pleasant and fitting. But they had come to Jerusalem for the Jewish festival of Passover. Don't make the mistake of thinking that this was out of any great reverence for the traditions of their subjects. No, it was because Passover, with its emphasis on liberation from an oppressive empire, could be a time when trouble flared up. They were here to reinforce the garrison which was permanently stationed in the city. Their procession was an attack on the census designed to fully capture the sense of imperial power and might. Cavalry on horses, heavily armoured foot soldiers with weapons, banners, golden eagles, the emblem of the Roman Empire. Mounted on poles, the sound of marching, the clinking of bridles, the beating of drums. At every level this was designed to show you who was in charge. Rome could bring you peace if you wanted it. Of course you were welcome to challenge it. Provided you were prepared to face the consequences. And they could be pretty horrific. Meanwhile, from the east of the city came another procession, which couldn't have been more different. A man was riding a donkey, which he had picked up from a village nearby called Bethpage. He was cheered on by his followers. Most of them came from Galilee to the north. They waved branches and spread coats and branches on the road before the donkey. They shouted things like, Hosanna, save us, rescue us, deliver us. Matthew tells us it caused quite a stir in the city. The language used was similar to the way they might have spoken, say, of an earthquake. We might say they shook things up a bit or they rocked the city on their arrival. As onlookers watched on, they said, who is this? An interesting question. Not what's going on. Who is this? It's a bit like if we were to see a great big car in the area of Whitehall with a security cavalcade around it. Or if we see a plane coming into Northolt. You might say much the same thing. I wonder who that is. We have a good idea what it is. This was a deliberate calculated act. We all have that friend who likes to make an entrance. And on this particular day, Jesus was that friend. This was designed to get noticed. Jerusalem was rammed. If he had wanted to slip into the city unnoticed, it would have been very easy to do so. And most Passover pilgrims arrive on foot. Being on a donkey would have been enough, even without cheering crowds, to get him noticed. And it was deliberately designed to echo a couple of other famous episodes in the history of this people. We read about one of them in 2 Kings 9. Jehu arrives to overthrow the house of Ahab and Jezebel. And his followers spread their cloaks before him to welcome him as their king. Then, when the latest 
Great Jewish deliverer Simon Maccabeus defeated pagan oppressors and rode into Jerusalem and set up his kingdom. He was greeted with cheering crowds, waving branches and shouts of Hosanna, rescue us. But there's a third echo, one which Matthew particularly draws attention to. It's found in a prophecy by Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. This people have waited hundreds of years for a deliverer. Down through the years, they have held on to a promise, normally when they've been on the wrong end of power. And as Jesus rides into Jerusalem on that donkey, he's announcing, your prayers have been answered. Finally, that day has come. He offers himself to the people as a king. He invites them to come and to follow him. But he's inviting them on a surprising journey. They were prepared to follow him. But only so far. They wanted him to be like Pilate. They wanted him to protect and rescue them like the eagle. But Jesus is taking them on a surprising journey. He's not calm amassing troops. He's got no sword in his hand. His steed of choice is not some kind of mighty stallion, but a humble donkey. The surprising answer to their prayers wasn't a warrior, but a humble teacher on a donkey. And if that's a surprise, it's nothing on how he will be the answer to their prayers. By Friday, the chance of Hosanna will give way to calls of crucify. The followers will have scattered. He will be alone as he is flogged, slapped about, a crown of thorns thrust on his head. He will look into the eyes of those who mock him and spit on him. He won't turn away as they pluck bits of his beard from, their, from his cheeks. And finally, he'll be marched with his cross, not to a pretty green hill, but to a busy public road on the edge of the city, which will be filled with people coming and going. He'll be stripped naked and hung on the cross, dying a death that's designed to inflict as much pain for as long as possible, as publicly as possible. As an example to anyone else who might think it's a good idea to show up in this city offering themselves as a king. He will be there as a message to all. Just who is in charge here? The empire with the emblem of an eagle. Whereas this king, the only throne he's going to get is a cross. And he will look defeated, humiliated. They'll have made a spectacle of it. But that's not the biggest surprise of the journey. For as he hangs on that cross and as he cries out forgiveness, he's the one actually making a spectacle of them. 
as one of his early followers, a man named Paul, would come to see. He was actually disarming them. They did their worst. And so what? It wasn't enough. The power of the eagle was turned around to reveal the power of the loving face of God. The cross, designed to be a horrific emblem of how the powers and authorities of this world can bend us to their will, would instead become one of, if not the most recognised symbol in the world, but not as a symbol of imperial might, but as a symbol of the love and the power of God. Jesus offers himself as their king, but he was inviting them on a surprising journey in which he would reveal the kind of God we have. And he invites us on a journey of discipleship, which can also be surprising and confusing and troubling. Because we can want God to be the one who comforts us in our troubles, sort out our problems, make us feel good, happy, peaceful. And at times we will know all those things in our lives. But Jesus hasn't come as your life coach or your guru. That's not the job he's applied for. Jesus offers himself as our king, as our Lord. He calls us to follow him, to trust in him on a surprising journey. For often he comes not on a charger to take away all our woes, but gently, peacefully, as one on a donkey, offering to rescue us through love and be with us in times of trouble. At times the journey of faith takes us on a path that can be painful, dark and difficult. We can experience wilderness times. And like the crowds following Jesus through that holy week, there'll be times when it doesn't seem to make sense. In the midst of it all, we can't always see how God can be at work in this. But he has promised it in all things he is. Not just some things. Not just the good things. But in all things. And those who stick with him. Find the experience that he is with them. And that he can bring about new life and transformation, even in the midst of darkness. For God is a God of surprises. In Jesus, we see that there's nowhere we can go that God has not gone before us, nowhere that we're beyond his reach. So we might find ourselves in the wilderness, on a journey we never expected, we'd never have chosen, we never wanted. But when it happens, and it will, don't lose hope. 
Because God is with us in the wilderness. He can encounter us there. It is a place of trial and struggle and temptation. But it's also a place of encounter and transformation. It's a place where healing and new life begins. For there we discover that just as an eagle protects over her young, so the Lord is watching over us every step of the way. Grace and peace to you. I'm going to hand back to Sue, who's going to wrap up the rest of this morning's worship.